0: Hey, it's Tom. You are about to listen to the first episode of the Pillar pod. The first couple episodes are one-on-one with Vedya Ayer, the CEO and the founder of Pillar. Uh, the first couple episodes we talk about some of his background and how he built you know, his chops as a programmer. And then we start to transition into what he's done in his career and Vade is a really fascinating guy, and I think that you'll really enjoy listening to our conversation. Let's get let's get rolling here, and I think uh, I'm super excited to talk to you today. And with the most like general leading question that I could ask, like, how did you get here?
1: That's a loaded question, Tom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: So. And I start with you know how it, how I fell in love with computers. I think it starts from there um, and uh, it really started in my school days. I was in my middle school, and i I grew up in in Mumbai um, right in India, and it was the late eighties um, and at that time, India was a closed economy, you know computers was unknown, somehow my school was able to procure. Uh, two PCs, um, and I somehow was able to get into class, um, you know, to to you know work on the computer, um, and it was a BBC Micro. I, I remember this very clearly, and I was in the middle of school, so all, all I could think about was playing games. Um, but what intrigued me was, you know, can I build a game? And that's how this all started. I was I had a teacher who was. Um, you know, took me on the side, t- taught me how to program. Um, my first code, lines of code that, that I written was probably in like seventh eighth grade or eighth grade. Um, and again, when nobody else in India knew what computer was, or rather, computer was used as a data entry machine um, in those days, right? I mean, it, it, the economy opened up in, in in early 90s, and that's when things started changing. So. I really started, you know, in my middle school in terms of programming. So if I take that forward, when I passed out um, my um, high school over there, which is 12th grade, and I wanted to go to engineering, um, there's really no colleges which even offered any computer science, uh, to be honest. There was only two in my state uh, that, off- that offered computer science engineering. And I was hell-bent on it, on, on going into that. Um, you know, fortunately, my, my parents were very supportive. My dad and mom were very supportive, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, to be very honest, Tom, and you know, I come from a very middle class family, so this was an expensive affair for them to support. Um, so they actually went beyond their means to even support it. Um, and then I went into my computer science graduate, uh, and I was one of the very few candidates who came out of computer science Again, this is a time when there was no computer software industry at all in India. So the dynamics are a you know, little bit different when you want to pick up a line where you don't have any jobs available out there, <laughs> and someone supporting you saying, you know what, it's okay to go for you to go and study, especially when you know financially you're not doing all that great as well, right? Uh, so the dynamics was was very different. But I'm so thankful that I could actually do that. Unfortunately, um, when I came passed out of college. Um, you know, the industry started opening up and there were companies and other things coming out. Um, so going back to this this whole, you know, by that time I spent about eight years in, um, you know, in coding and I always liked to do something very innovative that was always, you know, part of me. Um, one of the things that, you know, uh, I actually passed the university as a topper and one of the things that actually got me there was, um, I did a project at that time, which was a touchscreen monitor, which was very unique. I could actually, I, I did the hardware, software, the whole nine yards. Uh, what year to, was that? This was 93 when I passed wow. out. Wow. So um, I, 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 I made a project in my final year where I could put this piece, you know, which was a frame with all the wires dangling out uh, on, on any monitor and make that a touchscreen monitor. Um, and, you know, open up the, and again, this was clunky big machines, if you remember those times, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to connect the wires and all of those things, but, you know what, you could, you don't have to use the keyboard, uh, you don't have to use the mouse, and you could touch something on the screen, and it it worked, Um, which you know, was a dream come true at my time. I didn't know what (laughs) to do with it, to be very honest. My kids (laughs) still make fun of me saying, hey, you should have sold it to Apple, but in those days, there was no iPad, there was no iPhone. It was <laughs> yeah. you know, all mouse, right? It was terrible, way, um, way, right? Nobody would have known what to do with that. No, nobody knew. It was more like, uh, you know, novelty item at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, this is great. Fantastic technology demonstration, but I have no idea what, because uh, Tom, in those days, I only not only had to do the hardware wiring and all of those things. I also had to write the software which will understand your screen touch and do something with it, right? So it was a, it was a whole big piece. It was not a small uh, thing that, you know, I had to do. I had to, you know, obviously help. Um, I visited certain companies to understand the hardware, the PLC technologies, the chip technologies, good professors, things like that. But it was really ahead of its times. Um, Are you still in India at this point? I was in India at this point. Yes. Got it. This, this was my final project to graduate out of college. Got it.
0: Cool. I still have so those wires
1: if... and things in my in my attic somewhere,
0: <laughs> by the way, but not up in the US now. <laughs> That's really cool. So I guess jumping forward a bit, um, when did you come to the U.S.?
1: I came in the mid-90s. Um, when I graduated college with, with this project, I actually went into manufacturing because... I was one of the only graduates who, would, who could do hardware programming at that time, software graduate who could do hardware. So I actually found a job in a PLC company, which, you know, automated shop floors and factory floors. So my first job was really in a tractor manufacturing company where I automated the 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 gear making machines for the tractor, right? Um, and then I soon realized, well, this is, you know, I don't, you know, enjoy making my hands dirty in, in oil and all of the stuff. So I... You know, moved on to the high-end software, which was, um, you know, in those days, mainframes. Um, and I started working for, you know, some offshore companies in India. And that's how I worked for a few companies over here, including GE, is where, you know, I got exposure to SAP. Um, and that, you know, really influenced a lot, you know, to where I am today. Um, and since I was in SAP, we were going into white 2 at that point. Um, I got an opportunity to actually come to this country, so this was really ninety six ninety seven time frame um, i think when i came to came to u s uh, on uh, for s a p actually um, you know as an SAP consulting firm were you by yourself when you came uh, yeah i was I was by myself um, I was hired by a company over here in chicago uh, and again this the industry had just opened up, so this was whole outsourcing model was just picking up. Uh, So this was a company out of uh, Chicago by the name Cybertech, uh, which was really good. They actually hired a lot of people in India, uh, trained them in SAP for about six months. Um, You know, people had prior SAP mainframe knowledge or not uh, different backgrounds, business backgrounds, technical backgrounds, put this all together, trained and then shipped us over here, you know, for projects. And, you know, that was, you know. the the golden era if you were an SAP consultant because there was Y2K, every company had to do something, and SAP was was really growing. So I really came at a very good time uh, from a career
0: standpoint. So did you live in Chicago? Were you splitting time, like project-based work in Chicago and then going home to India, or were you over here full-time at that point?
1: No, I was over here full-time, Tom. So I was (laughs) in Chicago in whatever project... what
0: What was that transition like, even like If you set aside the professional work that you were doing, what about, like, how did it feel? What was the transition like? What was different about back home? Like, do you remember any of those days? Oh, everything was different, Tom. (laughs) So in India,
1: I grew up in Mumbai, which is a warm climate. When I landed in Chicago, I remember it was winter. So I saw snow for the first time, right? And I was very excited to see snow for the first time. And then it's soon it's like, oh, my God, it's so cold. I need to shovel the snow out of my you know, car, right? So that kind of, you know, I grew out of it quickly. But, you know, the culture was, you know, obviously different, um, you know, food habits. You know, everything is different. I kind of flew across the globe. And again, we were not as integrated, uh, you know, in those days as we are now. So no social media, other things. The only thing you could learn was, hey, the, the browser was new. Netscape was new. So, you know, it's really news, the, the old media to, you know, kind of figure out how, how U.S. works. Um, and, you know, everything was different. Like, we didn't have franchises over there. And McDonald's and Burger King's was new. I mean, that was new to me when I came over here, right? um so yeah it, it it was a big drastic change and I was single by the way so um it was fun though I
0: would I would I definitely remember that it was fun got it so how much time did you spend I guess if we scoot forward a little like how long were you in Chicago and what was your next move after that
1: so I was really not uh, that long in Chicago I used to go Uh, project basis. And I've traveled to a lot of cities at that time. Um, I worked in LA. Um, I worked, you know, went back to um, Indianapolis and worked, you know, did an SAP implementation over there. I went to North Carolina, did an SAP implementation. Um, You know, I'd really been in multiple places for SAP implementations. And again, in those days, SAP was really hard. You really didn't have too many people um, you were actually, before your project ended, you had a few things all lined up for you um, in, in those days. So I really traveled around the country. And that honestly helped me uh, to understand U.S. much better as well. I visited so many states and cities in, in those um, years. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I never traveled that much on a plane in India as much as <laughs> I traveled in the first few years over here in, in, in the U.S., just, just between projects.
0: So you're doing all of uh, the SAP consulting work now. What is What do you think is like the next natural transition for like a chapter in your career? Like how long um, did you spend doing that particular style of work that you were doing? And then if you can find a natural you know, turning of the page to what was next after that? Where does it go? So um,
1: one of the things that is a problem with me is I kind of get bored with the status quo very quickly, and I got bored of SAP as well, Um, you know, which was kind of opposite the trend in the late, you know, 90s, uh, you know, because it was was a high-paying job. So I landed in the Bay Area for an SAP project in those days. Um, and at that time, you know, there was only one product of SAP ERP called as R3, um, and I was tired of all the screens and everything. And the the Bay Area, you know, it definitely you know, influenced, influenced me a lot in my career. Um, and then I, you know, had to go back to North Carolina, and then I quit that job, and I was really consulting for IBM. So I quit a really a high six-figure job to you know take up a job. Probably one third of my salary in the Bay Area in a small startup, um, and that is that was a big, big shift for me. Um, you know, from everything that I've done before, um, and it was a good timing also because uh, there was a lot of innovation going on. If you remember the whole dot-com uh, boom and the bust, so I actually went through the full cycle. Um, you know, there was a lot of middleware acronyms being coined in those days. Um, you know B2B, EAR, ATL, all of those things. And I was <laughs> yeah. right in that. You know, I was working for this company called as Active uh, Software, which was acquired later by Web Methods and you know, now it's Software AG. But uh, you know, I was really part of the team which built the integrations between guess what? SAP and everything else, right? Because I had that knowledge uh, of a yep. technical background. Um, so I learned a lot about designing middleware and the integrations and all of those things in those days. And by the way, everything that I've said so far all feeds into pillar now. So that
0: is a connection to everything over here. Uh, I could feel like the thread <laughs> that gonna run through this whole thing. It's really interesting to me. What so, about, tell me about um, like, you have a high six figure job um, traveling a whole lot and then you, make a pretty drastic change to make a lot less money to go work at a startup. Like what, I know you said you got, you get bored easily and you got bored with SAP. What else was driving that decision? Like to go from a, you know, an established role to something different.
1: What drove me was really the, the, the urge to, you know, I guess, you know, create something, um, Tom or, you know, be, be innovative. I, I didn't want to do the same thing again and again on a repetitive rate. I, I really need to feel excited in the morning. So I really was doing very good financially. Considering the fact that I came from a you know, not so good financial background It was and to where I was at that point, it was a great change. Right? Um, and But I was not excited when I got up in the morning. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's, okay, I got a good back balance, but you know, it's like I was dreading to go to work, um, and when I drove to, when I came to California for a startup, you know, obviously everybody knew me was thought I was crazy to give up that kind of a number, but it it made me happy. You know, I was happy, you know, working for that and creating these, you know, amazing cool technologies at that time.
0: Who else? Like, who did you use for a sounding board when you made that decision? Like, it feels like. Um, just listening to you that you were you made the decision yourself but was there a group of people that you spent some time chatting with saying hey i'm thinking of doing this and and you got a bunch of of friction there
1: um so i had a friction obviously with my friends who thought i was you know they didn't understand why i was doing it
0: my parents you know
1: didn't understand why i was doing it um, were they still an
0: Indian, or yeah. are you folks uh, sorry, yeah. i don't know what their uh history is like like did did, did anybody come over with you? Did No. Were you over here by, no, no, the whole I was, time?
1: I, I was here the whole time uh, by myself. Got it. Um, my parents obviously didn't understand this whole thing. Um, but my girlfriend did support me a lot. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend, you know, she was in India as well at that time. She, she, she didn't understand the whole dynamics. Um, but I guess she supported me because she thought, you know, I'd be happy. So she's like, you know what? Yeah, let's, you know, go for it. So I just, you know, went for it at a time.
0: That's really cool to hear you say that. The, um, being excited driving to work, like it sounds really simple, but that is such a big deal. That really resonates with me too. Yeah. The, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. The, um, just thinking about, how to be smooth in the next transition here. Um, How long before, so that startup you were at, you said was part of an acquisition. Um, When did you end up in Arizona or is that really recent? And I'm jumping way too far ahead.
1: No, no, it is is, uh, in the early 2000s when the dot-com, you know, basically went bust. Uh, But before it went bust, I actually moved to another startup um, which we were trying to build this whole middleware integration layer in the cloud. In those days, there was no term called the cloud. You know, we were just calling it ASP, um, application service provider. But essentially, it was a hosted model of building uh, an integration layer. Um, so with my, you know, experience on the integration, you know, that, you know, was really New, where you could build something in a hosted in a in a hosted model, and nobody has to buy any software and download anything and do the integrations between the systems. Uh, so that really, you know, motivated me, and I went to that startup. Um, but then the the dot com really bust, um, and we all had to find a job. We were about 125 people, and within a matter of weeks, we were like 15, 20 people, and you know, so I. I found a job uh, with this SAP consulting firm. I came back to my bread and butter, uh, which was SAP. Um, and, you know, and by that time, SAP had released a couple more products as well. So SAP was going beyond the ERP space, uh, which was exciting. They had released CRM and supply chain. And so, so it was a good reason for me to come back to SAP as well, because there were just so many products out uh, from SAP and they were innovating and, you know, all of those things. So that's how I moved to Arizona. Uh, I joined this firm called SEAL Consulting, Um, and, you know, there was a need in in Arizona for uh, Avernet, and we were implementing a new SAP system, and that's how I came to Arizona. This was early 2000, 2001, something like that.
0: Got it. And then uh, I'm going to try a transition here that might be really rough, but I wanted to get this in our first conversation because I think it's super interesting. And if we run out of time, we can pick it up on the next one. But um, from what I'm hearing, you are like a highly specialized technician. And I mean that like in the best way possible, like you are somebody that knows how to do a specific set of things as good as anybody in the world. And then it seems like you've got this next transition. Um, and I'm looking at your LinkedIn page, so I'm trying to like map this chronologically <laughs> as we're chatting. Um, but then you transition into being a founder and a CEO.
1: So what influenced my transition was in those days in the Bay Area, and, and you're right, I was totally a hardcore programmer. I would prefer like, writing code to talking people you know, any day at that point of time. That was the kind of the yeah. guy I was. Um, in those days, I actually developed a carpal tunnel uh, in, in, in those days when I was doing this startup and all of those things. And it really was because I was spending too much time on the keyboard. There's really no better way to say that. Um, and, uh, you know, the doctors advised me that, hey, you may not be able to spend time on a keyboard or a mouse anymore. So... Uh, and I'm a, I'm a right-handed person, and, I'm, and I didn't know what to do at that point of time. And that really influenced my career a lot um, because I couldn't, you know, spend as much time on the keyboard. Uh, so I had to learn to use my mouse and everything using my left hand, which was difficult for me uh, at that time. And then I knew that I wouldn't be able to code for much longer. Um, So I tried a few other roles of, you know, actually moving up the chain, uh, even interviewed for a couple companies for sales and sales engineers, and I never got hired because I was just this guy who also likes to code and not too many good people skills, right? Um, So when I came to Arizona and started this SAP back again, um, I made it a point to build my other skill set, which was the soft skills, which was very important. Right, I didn't realize the value of that before. Um,
0: and How did you do that? Like, what types of things were you focused on? Like, you recognized that you weren't going to be able to. It's it's interesting to me. Like, if you draw a parallel to like a carpenter, it would be like taking away a carpenter's tools. Like, you know how to do this set of tasks really well, and then you kind of saw that <laughs> I'm not going to be able to use these tools. I'm going to have to develop a new set. Like, what did you do?
1: well in in one of the um you know and i remember this interview sales interview very well because i was rejected and you know not only being rejected she actually told me that i'll never be able to sell anything um and 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 i i took it to my heart honestly and that really you know, made me uh look into areas where i should improve uh on my soft skills right um how do you uh, you know i and i I understood that people do business with people and not how good the product is or you know so I understood the value of everything other than the product other than the technical aspect of it um, i don 't i don 't think I went to any um, in fact honestly tom i didn 't know what to do so it 's not that you know there was any classes or anything that I could go to it was just a self thought mechanism of, you know, watching people and, you know, just consciously trying to move yourself to the other side of interacting with people. And so I, one of the things I did is when I when I came to Airnet and, you know, back to the SAP space, um, I, I moved myself a little bit up uh, to talk to, uh, you know, like a project lead, right? You're, you're talking to business and, you know, other people. So I started moving more towards that kind of a role than just trying to go back and you know shut the door and write writing code. I mean, I still wrote code, obviously, but I made a conscious effort to actually move move to that kind of a role, which is interacting with you know business stakeholders, IT stakeholders, um, just more of that kind of you know interactive uh, you know in my in my day to day life.
0: Got it. It's really interesting. So, as you start to build this skill set, what's the jump where you start your first thing that is yours?
1: So, I'll fast forward a few years. Um, I actually tried um, starting off all through. It just didn't click for me, you know, even after a couple years of moving to Arizona, you know, um, and I was married by that time to my girlfriend and kids, and all of those things happened, right? So I didn't get a chance to really start on my own. But a few years down the line, um, you know, and and in this, you know, seven eight years, um, you know, I built a few practices uh, for the company I was in, and I, and with my background in manufacturing, I built a manufacturing practice. and my background in integration, I built an integration practice. I built a business intelligence practice, and so forth. So again, I was I'd built three or four practices by that time, and I wanted to do something new, um, and I wanted to get back to you know the whole entrepreneurship uh, side of things um so i i i went to my um, this was 2010 i think 910 something in that time frame i went to the uh, founders of the company i was i was working with and um i wanted to start something new you know in terms of coming outside sap and uh doing something around mobile and you know at those days there was this google widgets and gadgets so I, I didn't have a very clear idea of what it would be but i wanted to come out and do something and they decided to support me they're like okay go and do it and you know i'll you know we'll we'll support you um so that's when i came out um i started this uh, firm called as c inotac they even let me use the first four letters or the same name as as them as well um so that you know i could uh, that was some name and brand recognition, but that's the first time I came out. That's the first time I really experienced uh, moving fully to an entrepreneurial role. In the last eight years, I had, you know, when it, when you had built practices, I also had to sell, so it gave me a good exposure of, uh, you know, sales side of it, the pre-sales side of it, all of those things. I was responsible, uh, you know, for for P in, in at least one of the practices among that. Uh, so so I had some experience on that side of it. Um, and then, but just the, the true venture in terms of really kicking on of of my own was really in, I think, 2010 timeframe.
0: Got it. I think, I think that brings us to like a pretty good natural transition of a stopping point. And I think, um, we're about 26 minutes in, which is right around where we want to be. And I think that that takes us like almost right up to the edge of apps freedom, right? Actually, no, at...
1: this is a company that I started before Apps Freedom, by the way. So <laughs> so uh, we can take it in the next uh, one, Tom. It doesn't have to be in this one if we're running out okay. of time. Okay, so
0: yeah. I'll, I'll stick a, a pin in, in my notebook here that we're at Seal InnoTech. And then I'm really curious to hear about um, – I'll make sure to remember this because I'm, I'm excited about it, but how you learn to sell. I think that will be really interesting coming from your background – noticing that you had to build those soft skills and then ultimately selling was probably a brand new activity for you at the time. Yes, it uh, it
1: absolutely was. I struggled. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be <laughs> open to accepting
0: that. Cool. Well, let's wrap it up here. That was uh, a real treat for me. Thanks for sharing and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tom. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.